places that I've never been Seeing things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again Hey everybody and welcome to the Where's Willie podcast. Join me, William Miller, as I travel the country talking to manufacturers of all types about their trials, tribulations, and triumphs in the industry. This show is brought to you by Koganay International America, Inc. Thank you so much for tuning into the Where's Willie podcast. I'm your host, William Miller. Don't forget to jump over to Podbean, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. And also don't forget to leave a rating and a review of my show so I can work to give you more of what you want to hear in the world of manufacturing, leadership, and everyday life. Again, welcome to the Where's Willie podcast, sponsored by Kogane International America, Inc., a global manufacturer of more than 512,000 components that help miniaturize every device, machine, robotic, and automated process in every single industry of manufacturing. Today on the Where's Willie podcast, my travels take me to Westboro, Massachusetts. My guest today is Ryan Mannion. Ryan's a 28-year-old go-getter that I met a few years ago in Boston, and we've stayed in touch, and he's just been doing some great things. He's a graduate of Salve Regina in Newport, Rhode Island. He has a degree in business management, and his last seven years has been dedicated to the Coughlin Companies, a fourth-generation, family-owned, privately-held U.S. manufacturer. He works for the CEO, and Coughlin does about $400 million in annual revenue. They are led by an incredible entrepreneur and are proudly servicing some of the coolest technologies that America has produced, technologies that are evolving in our society every day. Now, the topics that we're going to be discussing today is, hey, Manufacturing, it really is cool, and I think it's sexy. Number two, we're going to talk about America being a leader in hardware technology, and looking forward to kind of get to know that and have that discussion. We're going to talk about how the people are making all the difference in manufacturing, and we're going to also discuss something special about building equipment. So, Ryan Mannion, thank you so much for being on the Where's Willie show. Before we get going on our topics... If you would just tell the listeners a little bit more about Coughlin. Who is Coughlin and what is it that you guys do? Sure. Well, uh, good morning, Willie. And I really appreciate you having me on. I've been following your podcast for some time now. Not many people have the gumption to get up and do a podcast. I know you're very proud of where you work. And your introduction led me to feeling how proud I am of the company that I work for. So the company is called the Coughlin Companies. We have been around... Since 1885, actually. Wow. So we like to call ourselves 135 years young. It's now in its fourth generation of family business, heading towards its fifth very quickly. We have eight operations in Massachusetts, and it's been through several different business entities. Initially, we were actually the co-inventor of the electric dynamo. So this was great-grandfather Coughlin when he was a student at Worcester Polytechnical Institute, invented the electric dynamo. And that was around the time J.P. Morgan was also inventing other forms of electricity. So deep-rooted entrepreneurialism, and now we just have a slightly different business model. Nice. So then I guess, you know, for being a manufacturer, obviously you got a strong history. Like who's a typical customer for Coughlin companies? A typical customer would be somebody that has hardware technology that, the content of their product would have a mix of electronics and mechanics. So it would be a large, complex system that would have printed circuit boards, cables, machine parts, sheet metal, plastics, and it's all capital equipment. So really nothing that's going to the consumer, more so things like fuel cells or 
charging systems for electric vehicles, 3D printers, breast thermography systems, things of that nature. All righty. So understanding that technology a little bit then. So the customer would be, hey, we want to come to Coughlin and help improve our design. And then Coughlin does design, engineering, and manufacturing? Correct. So the our chief executive officer is Chris Coughlin. Okay. He has always tried to innovate our business model years ahead of our competitors. And so about 15 years ago, he thought to himself, how can we continue to add more value to our customer and influence the cost of the design or the scale of the design earlier in its product development life cycle? So with that, we now have about 80 people in our engineering group okay. and then eight manufacturing operations. So the customer would come to us. They may need some level of design support. And then our ultimate goal is to be able to manufacture their device in a way that's very cost effective. And so we can deliver quality units. Wow. Okay. And then all your manufacturing then is done here in the U.S.? It is. Well, we have eight operations in the U.S. We buy in raw material globally, but sure. it's all put together here. Wonderful. All right. So let's get into this. Number one, you and I both, and this is why I'm really excited about this podcast, we don't have gray hair. I'm not even balding. I would say that <laughs> you and I are probably, I wouldn't say we're maybe the best looking in the industry, but I definitely think we're good looking guys in this industry. And what makes me excited was, you know, when all this started for me with the podcast, as you and I had been talking, because again, you and I, we've known each other since we met in Boston. We just, you got to agree that it's really unique that manufacturing doesn't have a lot of young people. And I think one of the things that I've enjoyed in our connection is both you and I, we really love manufacturing. And maybe you can attest to it. I have a lot of friends, they're in pharmaceutical reps. They like wearing the scrubs. They think they're living it up because they work for a surgical device manufacturer. And that's great. But then, you know, people say to me, oh, you know, you're going into factories, gross. And I'm like, no, there's nothing gross about it. This is tomorrow's technology that we're a part of. And I guess for me, I know, and I tell everybody, and you obviously know, you know, I'm on social media going to town on this. For you though, like, like, why do you like manufacturing so much? And what is it you think that so many other young people, because I would say as a whole manufacturing, the industry itself, they're having kind of a difficult time attracting young talent. And I, when I say young, I mean under the age of 60. What is it that you like about manufacturing so much that maybe some of the listeners can you know, start realizing that, hey, if I don't want to be an influencer, maybe manufacturing could be a cool gig because I heard from you know, Ryan and his experience. Sure. I mean, that is a thought we can probably talk about for 20 minutes. I'll try to keep it short, and I'll, I'm going to start by saying you are a good-looking kid, Will. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I recognize that. Yeah. And we were simply, uh, I think we were both jocks, you know, coming out of college. And I know I didn't have any experience in the industry. And thankfully, I had somebody in my network who was able to introduce me. And I wouldn't say that early on I was inspired or excited about the industry I was in. Mm -hmm. I was inspired by the people I was working with. Yeah, which we can get to a little later. But as it relates to the industry I'm in, you are right. I've become very proud of how we are servicing our society. Mm -hmm. And I think when you think of a manufacturing company, 
for whatever reason, there's this stigma that I think you and I are trying to change that it's old and it's dirty and there isn't much technology in what we're doing. And it's certainly not trendy. It's not formal. It's not, uh, you know, software sales, which people are always trying to get me to, to dive into. But every day we're servicing our ability as people in the United States to have 24 hour or overnight delivery of goods mm-hmm. has changed the way we shop significantly. Yeah. And that is all done in a manufacturing environment like ours. Mm-hmm. So all that technology that's behind the scenes, we're building. And so to be able to see that technology in advance of society using it, sometimes years in advance, I mean, there's like nothing, nothing cooler than that. And so I think it's just a matter of maybe people like us advocating to make it more trendy, companies branding themselves to look more sexy. And, you know, really recognizing the impact that we're having on the end users, the end customers. A thousand percent agree. And I think that, you know, what you said is exactly what I went through. You know, when I came into this, I worked for, I'll just say, one of the largest brands in the world. And and it was stuff that we consumed in a can, (laughs) a red can. (laughs) So I came from Coca-Cola. And then when I left, I was in a sales role there. And I thought, "Mm, I'm going to sell these parts, these nuts and bolts. And, you know, my initial attitude at first, because it wasn't bright and shiny, was, "Mm, we'll see how this goes. But then to your point, it would say so much the looking at the parts that we make that really amps me up. Because even when I post stuff now, you know, on social, people look and go, what is that? It's more about what that goes into. And, you know, then I just quickly realized, you know, on my journey that how high a quality we make this part really does matter in terms of the life of the product it's going in. And then to your point, then you start being a part of some pretty amazing technologies and meeting an amazing people. And I just think, like I said, the manufacturing industry is an industry that will always be here because, as you know, People have things, consume things, use things. And as long as that continues, <laughs> people need it made. So that to me, just I look at the industry as security, where I think other industries are volatile. So if you look at retail, if you look at, you know, maybe specific brand, sometimes the economy, sometimes excitement or popularity can uh, impact the business life. For a company, but for us, man, we're dynamic. It's anybody that needs something made. And I guess you know, I'm going to go back and ask you this question. What industry? So like I say, we're not limited by any one industry. So I would bet that you guys probably have some targeted industries, whether it's electronics, medical device. But, you know, what are all the industries, I guess, just over the course of your career so far with Coughlin that you guys kind of service? I just want to touch on something real quick. You know, we're talking about manufacturing goods. Mm -hmm. Then you think about manufacturing software. Right. Both both industries have a longevity. Both industries have things that are very cool about them. Mm -hmm. I still don't understand why software is so much trendier than hardware, especially when you have the opportunity to be in these massive factories and you, you feel so proud to be a part of an American company. 
when you're building this product they're just part of a company that is is and this will tailor into your question part of a company that is impacting people's lives so Coughlin companies supports industry from medical printing warehouse fulfillment e-commerce yep energy and storage security and defense so we do a lot in homeland security we're pretty well diversified. They ultimately, I always look at the end user mm-hmm. impact. Mm-hmm. And so in each of these industries, the impact is different. However, it's potentially massive. With Homeland Security, we're, we're building systems where you're, you're not only doing metal detection now, but you're also detecting for bombs. And you're also doing a facial recognition as you're walking through the system. And by the way, the system is completely non-invasive. So you can carry everything on your body and you can walk through it without any, without having to take anything out of your pockets or even speak to a security guard. They're doing it at a very high throughput. So, you know, no longer do we have to wait at Fenway Park in order to get our first beer or see the first pitch, Willie. You know, we can roll right through and get to that game on time. Yeah, well, then I'm looking forward to the invite and the game that we go to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and honestly, I will say this. So I challenge that too, right? So hardware versus software. We go into the to the engineering rooms of some of these companies, right? So I'll work with somebody, you're working with somebody, a different company, but I think this is the same thing. When we sit down, we're talking specification. Hey, this needs to be precise, thread size, the pitch. We got to be at five thousandths, you know, accuracy for the build. And then I hear the software folks just kind of over there snickering like, oh, how's the design going on that manifold? It's going fine. I think the excitement about software is the capability, right? When we look at hardware, we talk specifically about precision. There's a term that I always say all the time specific to Kogane about repeatability, meaning if we make 50 of them, we pride ourselves in all 50, whether it's machined, assembled, whatever, are all have the tightest tolerance. So in other words, there's no variance. If I give you 50, they're all gonna be the same, right? So that kind of just says, all right, the target is just to be consistent and the same, which is very hard to do in manufacturing. You know as well as I do, especially when we talk aerospace, because we're talking like you're going out to seven thousandths and we're even getting into millimeter accuracy. And that's just really tough to do, depending on the material being used. But then that's like kind of the end of the excitement. With software, you go the opposite direction. You say, software, hey, this can go to the cloud. Kind of to your point, innovation and advancement for security purposes. Does it inhibit any people? There's more throughput. People don't even know what's going on. And yet there's 100% security and monitoring for a mass population at a given location. There's the cloud, right? So, you know, some of the customers that you and I have been, you know, blessed to work with, They have machines all over the world, but you got Sally sitting in a home office space in Dallas, Fort Worth on an HMI touchscreen or basically a big laptop. And she's monitoring, you know, 700 of these units around the world. That to me, and I agree, that does sound pretty freaking cool. So I do see how the Silicon Valley influence happens. But there again, like that's when young people like us bring excitement into manufacturing We also bring more innovation and more out-of-the-box thinking. You know as well as I do, we've had many of the same conversations with, this is grandpa's industry. You know, they come to Coughlin just like they come to us. And initially they say, hey, we want to do this. 
And then when we talk about the innovations, you're okay, here's the capability, here's the things that we can do, here's the things that Coughlin can do. You always have that one engineer and he's 65 years old going, whoa, whoa, we're not Star Trek. And so, you know, we still have that challenge of, <laughs> I would say, age demographic impact on innovation. But that's where I think, like you said, it's starting to change. And that's kind of going to bring us into our next point. You and I right now, and again, other smart young people who are in this industry, to me, this is the best time to be in manufacturing because we're seeing a transition now. And God bless the guard that was before us. But as retirement and these baby boomers are moving on, we are all impacting the manufacturing companies all throughout USA. And you're starting to see a change and the people are really starting to make a difference, not just from innovation, but just from capability and thinking outside the box and blending, you know, this term that we always hear is mechatronics. So years ago, it used to be hardware was by itself here. You had software over here in California and they didn't blend. Well, now Coughlin, mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys probably before most anyone else said, mm, nope, we're going to bring software, we're going to bring electronics, we're going to bring hardware, we're going to combine it all, and we're going to offer all technologies all in-house. And I think that's probably you know, credit to your leadership to why you guys are where you're at today. So can you talk yeah. a little bit, you know, for me then, people, and for you, how is people impacting you and your day-to-day -day with Coughlin, and then how have people impacted your excitement and happiness in doing what you're doing? Well, I think you hit on something, which is people make the difference, whether it's hardware or software. There's companies that are old and they're rooted in old philosophies and old fundamentals, and they process things just very old school. And they don't have people like us who are, you know, in our 20s or 30s, on staff playing a large role. That happens in both hardware and software. And then there's companies in hardware and software that have incredible people who are very entrepreneurial, who are blending automation into their workflows, blending automation into the fulfillment of goods on their floor, and incredibly passionate about, like I said, servicing that end user with a very impactful technology. So to me, it's not as much about finding a company that's in hardware or software. It's about finding a company that cares and is proud of how they're impacting the community, the scale at which they're impacting the community, and building a culture in-house where everyone feels that way. And that's what I feel like we have at Coughlin Companies. That's awesome. Is there, and I'm going to kind of go off the path because you know I'm a little nuts. Is there anything... I guess, new or exciting that's coming up because I just like with Coughlin, you know, so for us, you know what I'm going to say, we're going to be at this trade show <laughs> or we have, you know, new product technologies. Do you guys do trade shows? How do you, you know, do you guys do events? Do you guys do open houses? It's a good question. We actually don't. And it's not yeah, totally true. Guys, I, I do walk trade already. <laughs> <laughs> I do walk trade shows, but yeah, it's, it's all been grown through word of mouth and there are, there's certain pockets, I think, in the country that have the most technology, uh, at least hardware technology. 
Boston, thankfully, we're in a, a massive hub here, and there's so many cool companies that we service. Yeah. And by the way, I don't know if you've caught the drift by now, I, but we are a service company. So none of these products are ours. They're all our customers. And so we're servicing those products, doing some level of either design or manufacturing. But to get back to the point, you know, it's all been word of mouth and we've really grown by referability. So we try to be 100% referable through our customer base every quarter. And that's how the company's grown. And it's amazing how small the world actually is because we see it. We, we grow. And honestly, Willie, up until just a couple of months ago, I was the only person on our internal sales team. And we're doing $400 million. So if you do a good job, you get rewarded for it. Hey, so I don't know if you just don't like the word, but can I say, is Coughlin just one of the best contract manufacturers? <laughs> do you like to say we're a, uh, do you say no we're not a contract manufacturer we're a time to market company <laughs> so yeah we don't like the word contract manufacturer why um what we do is is we deliver products as they're required in the industry and work really hard to do that because the contract manufacturer similar to how similar to how we're talking right now about the stigma around hardware manufacturer and it being old school and things of that nature you know contract manufacturer it's like the lowest garment on the food chain it's somebody you give a set of drawings to the drawings are just about perfect you build a thousand or a million of them and there's nothing other than plug and play well what we're doing in the product we're servicing and the stake and being able to deliver quality product on time is massive so what we're doing is, is working a lot of hours and delivering very complex products very rapidly. That's not a contract manufacturer. That's a partner. You are so smooth. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously, you know, through this conversation, we love what we do. There's just something special again about building equipment. You know, this podcast, the best thing it's been for me is it causes me to pause and let the guests speak, but I just get so excited. Uh, okay. <laughs> as far as it's in your nature for sure i know as far as building you know new technologies where do you see ryan the and this sounds so cliche too i don't want to say this what do you see as far as future technologies or innovations that are coming that kind of get you excited for example for me it's robotics i think north america is very and i don't say this out of disrespect there's a lot of opportunity in North America to catch up to Asian market. For example, there's a lot of hype around these six-axis single-arm robots, which to me, they yep. are wonderful, great innovation, but more or less, they're picking place. At Kogane, sure. we have 10-year-old robots that are 15-axis, two-arm, four-vision system, and aren't picking and placing, they're assembling. And that's and those are old in our country. So I'm just saying, like, yeah, that's really not here yet. And that's what excites me about working with all these amazing manufacturers in North America is the growth for the robotics. What is it for you, or I guess what technologies do you see that are gonna be coming in the doors of Coughlin where you're just like, the world has no idea the capabilities that are coming? Yeah, well, to your point. It's a matter of the OEM, you know, the original equipment manufacturer or the companies like Walmart and like Target 
or like CVS, it's before they weren't pressured, maybe, and I don't want to say this ignorantly, but you know, now you're seeing these companies recognizing the technology that's out there and rapidly try and implement it. So where your company, Koganegi, you know, where you guys maybe had the technology for years, now these large companies mm-hmm. are now saying, wow, we need that product now and we need it to work now. So it's really cool to see these companies starting to come around, you know, get rid of some of their older ways and be in with the new, you know, start integrating technologies in every area of their warehouses. So that's one of the things I'm most excited about. We see a lot of that at Coughlin as well. And I think you're going to see that companies will start to compete. And I'm curious to see how that'll impact how we receive goods in the future. I mean, I just don't know how, you know, well-versed or maybe your thoughts, or I don't want to, you know, have you speak on behalf of the CEO, but that's a really good point you bring up. So for me, I like to always play naive and just listen. But, you know, we talk about limiting factors, right? Whether it's having stock locations more than them. Like I read an article about Walmart is trying to leverage all of their stores and that's the advantage they have. But Walmart has literally much smaller because they're the size of a store, but they've got 10 times the amount of locations. So now their strategy is, hey, why don't we turn our back rooms of all of our stores to stock centers for the online shopping? And we actually have the ability now to leverage because we're in more locations. So for instance, in Michigan, there might be one, two distribution centers, but I think there's what, like 72 Walmarts? So Mm -hmm. that's the play of they have a way to beat or compete. So in your world, what would be a way that you could potentially compete? Yeah, I think the coolest thing about about it is that now it's competition. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not like we now have one very massive company that is doing everything. They still may be the leader in technology and e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Now you have other guys who are actually able to compete and actually able to adopt technology. Yeah. And, and to answer your question, I think it's just that there's so many different technologies that are being leveraged. So it could be a robotic picking arm. It could be a pallet jack or a, an autonomous tugging unit that's bringing goods through a facility then to be dropped off at a robot that then brings the good to the robotic picking arm to then put it in the shelf. You know, so companies like Walmart, I can only imagine, are leveraging each individual technology to create more massive scale automation. And I think people will still have a tremendous impact on all this, but now we're just also using technology to work with people, which Mm -hmm. I think is cool. So cool. You guys on any social media or what's your website? Our website is www.coughlincompanies.com. The Coughlin is actually spelled without a U. Okay. So it's C-O-G-H-L-I-N. Okay. Companies, which is plural, .com. And yeah, if you go to our website, we have a we have a good site. You can see a lot of our capabilities and the, the types of experiences we're having. Now, if people want to you know, reach out and connect with you or just ask you questions, kind of expand on maybe some of the conversations we've had today. Are are you on social media? I am. I should probably do a better job, but I do have a LinkedIn, which is at Ryan Banyan, R-Y-A-N-M-A-N-N-I-O-N. 
you'll see I'm very proud of who I work with. That's what my social media shares. Yeah. And I also, my cell phone, as you know, my cell phone, Willie, if anyone is interested in the types of discussions we're having, because I know I can talk for far longer about these. You know, my cell phone is 774-314-0406. So, and I'm just going to speak on your behalf. So for any of our listeners that are affiliated with any of the economic associations, state to statewide, they're always looking for people to kind of, from the industry, to share their story. I mean, as I told you, the Where's Willie podcast all originated by when I was requested on manufacturing day to go and speak in New Jersey um, and talk about, you know, making manufacturing sexy again. I'm just going to assume that obviously with respect to your schedule and making sure it's good with your CEO, that you would be comfortable or willing to go speak at an economic forum or if anybody's holding any kind of give us your voice of from the manufacturing world, you'd be open to maybe being a guest speaker? Yeah, I would definitely be open to it. I have in the past and I'm proud of what I do. So yeah, for sure. Ryan, it's such a pleasure to be connected with you and just, you know, see all the good things that you guys have been doing a lot, you know, have been through collaboration and your efforts. I'm just Really proud to call you a friend and just real excited to see the future of Coughlin. I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the Where's Willie podcast. If any of you are in manufacturing and you have a story you want to share or be a guest of the podcast, the process is real simple. Just go to com, scroll to the bottom and hit the yellow words that say guest registration form. We'll provide you the form and just we ask you to complete it and send us a headshot. All guests are free to the show, and we look forward to sharing your stories with our listeners. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the Where's Willie podcast and learning about Coughlin Companies and our guest, Ryan Mannion. Thank you for tuning in to the Where's Willie show. For more information on future shows, please visit Podcast.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Where's Willie Podcast and on Twitter at Where's Willie P-O-D. Thank you all so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.